Welcome everyone. Continuing with the series specifically for engineering students and recent graduates, we'll hear executives and entrepreneurs in tech answer questions about decisions they made while they were studying in university as well as early in their careers. I am very excited to introduce today's guest, Dr. Harini Ravi. Harini is a scientist and senior director at the medical testing company Natera. Her area of expertise is product development for diagnostic testing, and she has been actively involved in bringing many products to market, ranging from diagnostic kits that detect food adulteration to genomic tests. Harini has an undergraduate degree, uh, engineering degree in industrial biotechnology and a PhD in biochemistry from Brandeis. Welcome, Harini. Hi, Shridhar. Um, pleasure to be on this uh, podcast and uh, thanks for inviting me. Oh, thank you for taking the time today, Harini. So, Harini, you went on to do a PhD after undergrad, right? Why PhD? Uh, why not, uh, you know, uh, maybe an MBA, for instance? What was your thought process when you decided to do, do this? Sure. Um, uh, as you mentioned, my uh, degree was in uh, biotechnology, my undergrad degree. Mm-hmm. And it was a, a very new uh, field, an upcoming field, especially in India. Uh, so there was not too much known about what future career opportunity, et cetera, were um, with a degree in biotechnology. So during my undergrad, um, you know, I had seen my professors uh, who all had PhDs. I had uh, done a lot of internships with, uh, be it in uh, medical institutes or in companies. Um, largely, there were people um, going toward higher degrees after their, you know, um, undergraduates, either in, uh, you know, biotechnology was still new, but biochemistry or microbiology or some biology degree, they did go ahead and get a uh, higher degree, um, yeah. uh, you know, in their career paths. Um, so, uh, you know, sort of like a precedence is what my uh, uh, path was at that time. Uh, a lot of my seniors also had uh, gone off to get a PhD, like a majority of my uh, senior batches had uh, gone to get a PhD. So uh, for me, precedence was probably what I sought to follow. Uh, but one thing that was very clear to me was I wanted to continue in the biology line. I, I did want to pursue research. Um, so that that helped with this, uh, you know, decision process on, you know, the next logical step if I wanted to pursue in, in the biology field was to um, get a higher degree um, to pursue a PhD. Um, uh, of course, I also had in that four-year process through my internships understood that it was a long and laborious process. So better sooner rather than later was the choice at that point. So I decided to just uh, go ahead and jump right into it after my undergrad. Awesome. That makes sense. So looks like you were pretty clear about wanting to focus on uh, on, on biology and on research. And, and, that, and the path was pretty clear. And you saw a lot of precedents uh, in terms of others that you uh, you respected at that point, right? Yeah. Um, how would you advise a student go about this decision today? Today, for example, I did not have any, you know, that much of a, a clear path about what I wanted to do after engineering, right? So let's say I were to come and ask you: Should I study further? Should I go to work, or should I start something on my own? What What would you advise me, uh, somebody who asks you a question like that? Assuming I'm a 20 year old, which I'm not, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for that clarification. But uh, uh, but but in in general, you know, I can go off just my personal experience itself. I think the starting point would be, did I like what I um, learned in the last four years? I mean, do I am I excited doing the same type of thing, staying in the same field um, and moving in that direction for future? So I think I think that's the starting point. And then, you know, uh, once, so again, my personal example was, yes, I wanted to do things in, in the biology field. I mean, an engineering student might be, okay, I want to pursue in computers or in electronics engineering field or whatever it is. Um, but then uh, the next step there, you know, in that, in that framework could be, uh, what are the career opportunities? If I know this is the area that excites me today, 
I know as a 20 year old, <laughs> that's not a solid choice, but at least today with the information that I have now and the experience that I've you know, gained in the four years of learning similar things in undergrad, is this, is this um, exciting to me? So yes, and then you know, um, focus on what are the options um, in such a career path. Again, you know, if in my example, it was I could uh, become a researcher in a university, professor in a college, or join a biotech company. Or you know, those were my options. So then the third step in that process could be like from where I am right now. If that was, if one of those were my career paths, then you know, um, do I need more education? So do I get the next degree or um, do I think that, um, you know, if I was very clear that I wanted to join a biotech company, then maybe I would have said, okay, I will just, you know, find my first job, my, my foot in the door there and, you know, try to um, get a work experience first and see if that takes me to my, uh, to my uh, career path. Um, or if my decision was, I really didn't think this was what I liked. I want to try something new, maybe, um, you know, and, and that would have been the other option, like you said, you know, start something new or maybe get a degree in some other thing, like an MBA or something like that, because I, I've still not figured out what my options are. But I, but I know maybe this is not what I want to do. So, so for me, it starts with uh, at least make a decision on, um, you know, it, did I like what I do so far? Um, is this the path that I want to follow in? And then, you know, just try to answer as many next step questions as possible um, in that line. Makes sense. Makes sense. I think it, I think what I'm hearing you say is it, you have to start off with being very honest to yourself about whether you really like what you're doing yeah. or not. I think that's the first step. And after that, I think the rest of the steps are, are logical. Makes sense. So, Harni, you are, um, you, you are multilingual like I am and English isn't, isn't your mother tongue at home. Uh, though I'm sure at school and in university it was a medium of instruction for you, right? Did you do a did you do something specific uh, to improve your your vocabulary, your speaking skills, your communication skills um, during the time you were in university, or or even after that? So, uh, Shridhar, sorry, I actually unfortunately lost you a little bit. Uh, can oh, you repeat sorry your about that. Last part uh, of the question. No worries, no worries. Uh, sorry about that. I, I was just saying that uh, English is is not. Um, you, know, you are multilingual, and English is not the is is not your mother tongue, just like it, it is for me. Yes. So I was curious to know if during the time you were at university, uh, did you do something specific to improve your vocabulary? Did you uh, to improve your speaking and writing and communication skills that could be applicable to students who are in university right now? Yeah, sure. Um, so I was very fortunate that my entire schooling was in English medium. So I, um, you know, my language was not a constraint for me um, in university or beyond. So I didn't do anything special for, for that um, in, in college. Um, I found comfortable, you know, understanding plus communicating in English, thanks to my schooling. Uh, so I think, uh, you know, that that helped quite a bit. Um, but but I do realize that uh, you know um, in 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 our college, um, as you are aware, the environment is very diverse. You have students of all sorts of backgrounds that come there, and I do realize that there might be individuals who don't have this background, and our uh, English is not their first language, and also they've not had English as a medium of instruction in their uh, schooling. Um, but this is where I think the college as a community helps. I think the first level of uh, support comes from fellow classmates who try to help people who are struggling just from an understanding perspective or trying to communicate perspective. Um, but beyond that, you know, uh, it, the first level of uh, support that um, the college community can itself offer, I'm, I'm pretty sure, right, even at, especially right now, there is um, a lot of publicly available courses and you know, material that people can jump into to um, enroll themselves into to learn uh, more about um, how to help their uh, communication skills, especially in English, uh, uh, better. 
Got yeah. it. Got it. Yeah. Makes sense. Um, I want to come back to one of the points you made in the in the answer to the first question, which is, you know, you you be honest with us, yourself about what you did. You like the first four years of you know undergrad and and uh, making that as a starting point for a decision about what to do next, right? Mm-hmm. So as a student, often uh, people feel that they do a bunch of things. They are interested in doing a bunch of things at the same time, in addition to academics, right? Um, all of them are fun to do and i remember the time i was in college when i was doing a bunch of different different things all within the sphere of college but how do i find my specialization right how do i determine which skills are valuable which skills are going to help me um, be part of the workforce and which skills are the ones that i really need to focus and practice a lot more to get really much better at as opposed to the skills are that are fun to do but really not going to be very uh, practical practically useful Cool. So, I mean, honestly, I'd focus on the fun in undergrad. <laughs> there is not much more time to do things just for fun. Um, but, but, but then again, on a on a serious note here, uh, yeah, I mean, um, there was a lot of opportunity for me to in, in in college for like organizing events. There were technical symposiums that I was very deeply involved in, from you know logistical planning and organization. Uh, I did a lot of MCing in college, and I you know took a lot of opportunity to um, uh, MC, and uh, that helped with you know uh, talking in front of people and helping with uh, you know um, on the spot communication and things like that. So uh, here as well, I feel like um, there is there is some opportunity in every undergraduate uh, uh, time where you know people work together as a team, people do projects together. Um, and again, it is uh, some self-recognition of what is it that my soft skill strength is. Mm. Um, you know, you, you could, in a group setting, immediately recognize yourself as, you know, I could explain things very well. So I can represent this group, um, you know, and explain this out, out loud. Or I am the problem solver. I might not be able to, you know, communicate this, but I, I can work with the team to help them address this problem. So I, I, I guess... Again, it's self-realization that uh, someone's soft skill is something that they start to recognize. And maybe at that point is where they realize that 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 is their strength. Um, So it's not a one size fits all, what is valuable. Um, It it is everybody's realization, what they're good at. Um, And then they need to nurture that. Um, you know, find the opportunity that helps them develop that soft skill. Um, you know, again, in my personal example, I did like to MC, so um, I found opportunities to see if I could, you know, uh, uh, use that as as a stepping stone to sort of public speaking or something like that. Um, so something like that. So you know, recognize your own skill mm-hmm. um, in a very normal, you know, group project setting, and then try to find opportunity to sort of nurture that skill um, as you grow. Um, and, and in one sense, I'm kind of going to turn this question around as well. It's, it's um, there is no one skill that's valuable. I think somebody has to find the opportunity that mm-hmm. makes their skill the unique thing that they bring to the table. So in, in every future career setting, um, the team of people that are working on anything will bring unique skills to the table. So, you know, whatever is your strength, uh, I think, um, you know, as people grow in their career, they need to find the opportunity that their strength is the unique thing that they bring to that table. Um, and I think that's where it becomes valuable. Your, your, any, whatever your skill set is, it is still valuable, but you find the opportunity where that becomes the, you know, your unique contribution to any setting. So a little bit of a twist on what you just asked me, but I think, again, it starts with uh, recognizing what it is that one is, you know, good at, and then kind of developing from there, moving forward. I think that's an excellent point. I think if I were to summarize what you're saying, you're saying be self-aware to know what is interesting and what you're good at, right? Yeah. And then nurture that in a in a very 
comfortable environment where you are with friends, people who will not judge you, but nurture that and practice that and be really better and better at that. Yeah. And then I think the great point you mentioned is in the rest of your career, in the future career, try to make that as your unique offering to that group, Absolutely. which will make you stand out because that is something that you can authentically bring to the group. As Absolutely. Well. Absolutely. That's Excellent. exactly. Yeah. Excellent points. So uh, sort of a related question. Let's assume that, you know, I, 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 I do something, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm doing something right now and I enjoy doing it. It could be any one of these. It could be my subject of study. It could be MCing. It could be anything else. Right. But then in a few years from now, things change and I don't find it. It's as much fun as it was initially. Right. What, how do you how do you go about deciding whether to you know continue to do that and sort of push yourself hard and persevere or say you know what i don't think i should push this any further let me find something else to do right this could apply to any activity that you do mm. right when do you decide to cut your losses and do something else as opposed to continuing to push hard even though you don't feel as much enjoyment as you did earlier yeah so my intuitive you know in a heartbeat answer to this is stop and pivot um, that is because for me, the, the crucial part that keeps anybody going and whatever they're doing is motivation. So mm. the minute you realize you don't have that level of motivation to, you know, get you up every day and do the thing that you've been doing all along, because for whatever reason, like you said, it's, it, it just doesn't give me that excitement anymore. It, mm. It's not fun anymore. Um, I, I, would, I would stop and reevaluate and pivot. So that is my, you know, again, intuitive answer. But of course, I mean, I'm saying this without uh, other constraining factors, whatever somebody might have that, you know, in, in some situations like finance, family, whatever it is, people might have to persevere and go forward. So it, I'm providing this input in the context that, you know, assume those things are not existing, but it's just purely from your um, mindset standpoint on what you want to do and not want to do. Uh, you know, my, my thinking there would be uh, to stop, reevaluate what is it that keeps you motivated um, and make a change. Um, so, so to me, it's it's never too late to make that choice. I, I think I would rather try to again understand what um, motivates one from you know uh, uh, what their interests are and what makes it fun for them, uh, rather than trying to persevere something that you might not eventually be successful at. I think if we fix that core problem, once somebody realizes that is a problem, success is much easier. Everything becomes easier and your career path becomes clearer um, once you've identified what that uh, path is. So yeah, I, I would pivot. I would stop and pivot. Um, and uh, uh, again, you know, the question to ask is, am I still motivated? Mm -hmm. And if the answer is no, then um, it's a point to... Uh, you know, uh, understand what is it that will motivate me at this point, and do I change um, and find opportunities in that uh, area? Okay, okay. I think I think that's a very valuable perspective to hear. Um, what do you think about multi-year plans? When I say multi-year, what I mean is planning ahead a few years to figure out where you want to be and finding the 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 dot the connecting the dots between where you are now and where you are uh, you know five years from now, right? Does it even make sense for uh, students who are in university or people who are early in their career, right? Should they go about coming up with a multi-year plan of this sort? Yeah, that's actually a tough one. I mean, I'm suddenly thinking, what is my five-year plan? Do I have any five-year plan? It's, it's always difficult. Um, but but in, in some sense, I think it is good to um, take a pause and make sure that, uh, you know, uh, am I happy where I am right now? Am I on the right track uh, to my next step? Do I understand what my next step is? Um, and then, you know, that's, that's again, 
it, it is it is good to have a sort of quote unquote you know um, five year plan um, from that perspective. Uh, so in in you know I've said this earlier again in our conversation. So it it starts from am I excited with what I'm doing right now? So that's where the five-year plan, um, you know, decision-making process starts. And something that has helped me in the decision tree there is, uh, you know, it, it, is, it is the intersection of what I am good at and what my interests are, and mm -hmm. to focus on that intersection point. Um, again, uh, those might not be the same things for a lot of people. There may be mm -hmm. several things that somebody is interested in, um, and you would imagine that would be a great career choice or a path to go in. But uh, it is very important to, at that point, recognize that, am I really good at getting to that point? So mm -hmm. if, if not, what is, the, what is that intersection point? Mm -hmm. so, for, for, so once somebody focuses on that intersection points of, you know, I'm good at this and um, I'm also interested in this. Um, so then what is my next step to move in that direction? And, you know, can, can, I, can I get there? Um, so it's sort of like a, not like a mantra, but, uh, you know, something that helps in that five-year plan so that it doesn't sound so daunting. Um, it is more simpler when you think about it as, you know, am I happy where I am right now? What is it that I'm good at? Um, and then is it something interesting that I'm also good at? If not, what is that intersection point and how do I get there? Um, so, yeah, I, I think it is good to keep thinking about this, you know, not in a very uh, serious sense. Mm -hmm. um, especially like right out after undergrad, but I feel like, you know, there is still a lot of opportunity. Things are open and, you know, you can go in one path and try to pivot and it's all okay. Uh, but, you know, in some sense, just try to get that feeling of, okay, you know, where, where is, where is this going? Um, might be useful. So uh, some, some input there is, yeah, again, come back to your introspective, uh, uh, nature. Good points. Good points. Yeah. Um, are there courses or uh, topics from from university, uh, you know, undergrad or even postgrad in your PhD, that you really find useful and applicable in your everyday uh, work? Or, or put a little differently, right? Um, are there some courses or subjects that you think are important for all students to learn well? And I say all students, I mean anybody who is studying, uh, independent of whether it's engineering or whatever. These are useful skills or useful courses that they will apply no matter what field they're in. Mm -hmm. uh, for me, um, hands down, it was the practical training. Um, so um, the Anna University's biotech program offered a lot of practical training. So, um, you know, three out of four summers, um, I was in, um, in several labs in um, other places outside of, uh, you know, the college itself. Um, getting practical training when six months of the final semester was all industrial training. And I think nothing comes even, you know, remotely close to doing uh, practical training while in undergrad. Mm -hmm. um, all of the coursework might offer, uh, uh, you know, this is the broad spectrum of things that are available to uh, choose from in terms of going into the future, but the practical training puts the perspective on it. So I would uh, put a lot of weight on um, how one chooses to go about um, doing that practical training, picking where to do that practical training and, and, and getting that, that sort of uh, input. Got it. So uh, yeah, what I'm hearing you say is the practical training or, or as they call it internships in the US is perhaps the very, very valuable part that you found very useful. Uh, I, I think I might have lost you briefly, but I'll just repeat that. I think what I heard you say is the, the internship slash practical training was the very useful part of the 
that 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 uh, that the thing that you found the most useful that uh, you would definitely recommend that everybody should put a lot of thought into what they exactly do correct yeah i i think that that puts that practical perspective on it um you know on what it means in reality more than any coursework can ever offer so i would put a lot of weight on that um that's that's key even if you know the program doesn't offer um practical training uh, i did some just you know uh, of my own interest you know mm. one of the summers we didn't have to do any practical training but we had labs in taramani you know anna university had its own labs there so we just went and you know um, uh, got some, some me and some of my friends just got exposure to what it is to actually work in a lab which is very important to understand as you know uh, um, somebody who wants to pursue something in biology and do research and things like that so um, practical training was very very uh, key um, okay. i i would put that on top of all the coursework um for sure uh, yeah and some of the coursework is very generic too so you know if you want more uh, specifics and uh, i think uh, finding some practical opportunity to pursue that is is key makes sense makes yeah. sense all right moving on from university and an undergrad and postgrad um, i have a question that is more focused towards uh, young professionals people who are early in their careers right mm-hmm. what are your thoughts about uh, money and finances at this stage in one's career right uh, and in your specific example to the extent you you're you're comfortable sharing right did you uh, did you save your money did you invest your earnings uh, again this is not financial advice but uh, the audience should do their own research but we'd love to hear your perspective on how you thought about money at that stage sure so um uh, you know i wish there was more education on this throughout schooling or undergrad or whatever i, I and i don't think we, none of us got any formal education on how to manage your money once you start uh, you know earning uh, by yourself mm-hmm. uh, for me of course my my first step was uh, getting a phd and that was more like you know i was still a graduate student on you know some smaller level of income at that point so sure i was very conscious about um uh what my capabilities were my limits were and you know saving and all of that but i i i'm i was clueless about investing and growing the money and mm-hmm. i never did it mm-hmm. uh and i regret that actually because i wish there was some education uh, about it but i i i didn't have any but um i think that would be my advice i mean yeah, start early and it's really important when one has the initial flexibility with their um you know um first types of incomes that they are earning with maybe fewer constraints that they have with that level of income that they need to you know use in uh, to have at least an understanding uh, to at least make a choice that they can invest or not and things like that um yeah of course i didn't do it and i and i would very strongly recommend people to start as early as they can um you know in in managing and investing and if there is any opportunity to talk to people and understand what they can do i would uh, absolutely encourage them to do that absolutely i think it makes sense also because time is your biggest ally at that point as yeah. the earlier you invest the more gains you get over time yeah. makes sense all right i think we're coming to the last couple of uh, last set of questions uh, this one is related to you know balancing your work and and uh, uh, one's good health right in this digital age with covid with more of us working from home all the time it's getting more and more difficult to balance this Mm-hmm. have you uh, you know how do you do this do you have any tips or uh, personal productivity hacks if i can call it that that work well for you that you could share sure so for me i I've, i've told myself you know it's a mental trick that uh, there is a lot of time um, that we save and commute and other things right now with the flexibility to work from home so uh, kind of using that overhead time uh, mm-hmm. for my own self 
for mental health or physical health and you know being more regular about uh, physical exercise um, has actually uh, you know been been useful in the covid era where mm -hmm. there is this overhead time that can be used for more uh, personal um, you know uh, well-being uh, so that's 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 been my little bit of a mental trick and i honestly would say that this flexible environment has opened up a lot of that opportunity because uh, right now there is again just not even the overhead of you know having to commute or the flexibility to choose when you want to go to work right now um, unfortunately i am able to work from home so uh, thanks to that um, but also the um, availability of uh, things that you can uh, do uh, in terms of online classes like you know there is no need for the overhead to you know, go to a yoga class. There is no need for an overhead to go to a gym. You can buy equipment, you can sign up for on-demand things. And um, those are things that have opened up the opportunity to as encouragement for people to, you know, be more um, aware uh, and find the time uh, to, um, you know, on a daily basis even uh, do something that will uh, keep them mentally and physically fit. Um, I do um, on a regular basis uh, do things to keep myself physically fit uh, and I hope I continue to do that and you know uh, sort of the times that I've opened up to do that uh, is my little piece of encouragement to keep that going. Great, great. Uh, it, it's great to hear that uh, you're actually utilizing the one of the uh, you know the the benefits of working from home which is the lack of commute to, to your advantage in this particular case i think yeah uh, yeah and things that are available on demand as well right mm -hmm. you know you don't have to go to a class if you if you if you um, choose to you can just get it online as well and that also saves a lot of overhead and you know it gets out of that inertia to you know pick up and go somewhere and do something it's it's more available so make use of that opportunity is what i would like to say the one thing I'm taking away from this is I don't have any more excuses not to exercise. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Finally, let's just wrap up with some rapid fire questions. These are mostly fun questions, and think of you know something that you can answer in ten seconds for 10, 10 to fifteen seconds for each of these. Of course, take more time if you need to. But I'm just saying these are just small fun questions. Sure. Can you name a book or a TV show or maybe a podcast that completely changed the way? You <laughs> Um, I'm really, honestly, I, nothing has changed my thinking in terms of a book or a TV show. I'm not a big motivational reader, but there's this really small book that immediately comes to my mind. It's called Jonathan Livingston Siegel. Uh, mm. And one of our common friends, I'm sure, introduced me to this book. It's a small book that you can read in 10 minutes, but it's, it's super motivational. Um, you know, it, you know, when you're down, it keeps you going. So uh, that kind of a book, you know, I think about that book when, uh, whenever it is, uh, you know, I need a little bit of an extra motivation. Awesome. Okay. Yeah. What was your best career move? And if you feel comfortable sharing your biggest career mistake? Oh, my best, my best career move is uh, right after my PhD, I decided I was not going to go in the academia line. I wanted to go and work in a biotech industry. Mm. Um, I, uh, again, this is where, you know, I did realize that academia was not my cup of tea and um, going into more of an industry, um, you know, corporate type um, uh, career path was what would work for me. And I'm super happy with that path. And I think that has helped me, um, you know, in, in my growth as well. Um, my biggest mistake, I hope I haven't made too many yet, but one thing that, that I worry about is I have, um, you know, become too focused or specialized in, in one area. So I'm not broad enough that, you know, um, as I keep, uh, uh, you know, uh, growing in my career, I don't have the breadth of skill set to explore new things. So I'm kind of 
too focused on, on one area of specialization is what I worry about. I don't know if that's necessarily a mistake, but I've, I've kind of pushed myself into a little bit of a smaller uh, specialization window is what I would say. I think it aligns very well with your with your initial thought, which is your, you, you uh, uh, are self-reflecting a lot. So I think it, it's not a mistake. It's more self-realization that you have. Probably. To <laughs> Probably not a mistake. Probably this is still okay. But uh, yeah, that comes to mind when, when I think about, you know, what I could have done differently. True. Yeah. All right. And the last question is, if you could go back in time and meet your 20-year-old self, and just tell the 20 year old self one sentence, what would you say? Uh, I would totally say, don't stress about that decision when you're making at 20. But it is, it is not the end of the world. I think um, a lot of people stress, I mean, even not even the 20 year old self, when, when we were writing our board exams uh, and trying to get into a college, it was still like, oh, this is, this is like the be all and end all of it. And no, none of that. I think um, make a decision that is best based on the information you have at that point and uh, just don't stress that that's the end of the world. It was yeah. a pleasure talking to you today, Harini, and thank you for taking the time. Oh, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me here and uh, really nice uh, chatting with you too, Sridhar. Same here, Harini. Yeah.